0: Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now here's Derek with the message. All right, let me start out by telling you a story. I, um, uh, we were in Vineyard Columbus in Ohio, uh, from 2007 until 2014 when we moved here. And when we landed in the vineyard in Columbus, uh, they did these weird things like they had healing classes. And it really kind of weirded me out because I came from a background that was like, that's the weird stuff, you don't really do that. And so they had this healing class. And I went to the healing class for two reasons. The first reason was to prove they didn't know what they were talking about and they were wrong. I mean... If you know me, you know that's not really out of character. Um, (laughs) And the second reason was, if they are right, I want to be equipped to do this stuff. I want to be equipped to do this stuff. So I show up to the class, and the class was very much like these three weeks of this sermon series have been. Um, And it was, I think, four hours they would run this class. And at the end of the class, they they pray for you, and they equip you, and they train you to do this stuff. And so I get done with the class. I didn't prove that they were wrong, uh, and I left actually excited to pray for healing, because I had become convinced over the course of the class that this actually is something that the people who follow Jesus are supposed to do. And so I left that that uh, that morning, and I was like, man, I can't wait to get to my small group the next time. And so we get to the prayer time at the end of my small group. And I show up, and there was somebody there who had a hard time seeing. They had a, a, an eye condition um, that prevented them or, or made it difficult. Now, I think, prevents them from driving. Um, and so I showed up, and I was like, all the faith in the world, we're going we're to we're pray for you, and you're never going to have a problem again. And it was 30 minutes of the most intense prayer time of my life. 30 minutes later... She could see no better. And I was sweaty. Like, I don't know what I was doing. (laughs) But I was dripping in this room, like in this living room, all these people crowded around this woman. And we're just praying the best prayer we know how to pray for a half hour. And I was convinced she was going to get better because I had learned from my class that healing is a thing that God does. And at the end, and she wasn't better, and I was like, did we do something wrong? What happened? Did I mess it up? I must have left looking really, really dejected because she went out of her way the next week to come to our house and make sure I was okay. Like, she was like, it wasn't you, lots of people have prayed for, I mean, you know, all the things that you would say, right? It wasn't your fault, lots of people have prayed, this is like a, whatever. All these explanations as to why this healing didn't happen. But I went away, having come out of the class excited, a little bit hesitant now. Right? I think the reason I was emboldened to pray for people was because it wasn't a thing I had ever done. And the class taught me how to do that. And so I thought, well, the reason I never saw anybody get healed was because I never prayed for anybody. And so in my brain, I was like, well, then it's just a matter of starting to do it. And we're just going to... It's all going to take off, right? And I think now I was like, wait a minute. Something's missing. And I became hesitant to pray after that. Can you relate to that? Like you've prayed for healing. You've prayed for someone and it didn't happen. And I think it's probably something we can all relate to. We started this series a couple weeks ago called Can I Pray for You? right now. And the idea here is that we're taking a class that we have taught in the past and we've turned it into a sermon series. Because what we genuinely believe is that it is all of our collective responsibility to pray for healing. And that was kind of uh, the first week we taught you the model. The the week two, last week, we talked about why this happens. And so we've been trying to, to empower you, to equip you, to teach you how this works. And before I jump further than that, Let's just see how much you remember. You guys ready for this? It's crowd participation. I know you're sitting far away. It's okay. Crowd participation. There's five steps. What was the first one? Ask. Second one. Sorry. Diagnose, decide. Yeah, we said decide, but it's the same, same deal. Third one. Say it again. Yeah, so like choose. I don't know who's saying that. Yeah. Fourth one pray. Fifth one, direct. Danny has a slide actually. Last week he cheated and put it up there for you so you all would already know. Um, But these are the five steps in this model. And what I said in week one and I said last week, and I want to reiterate, is this is not magic. This is a model. We're teaching you a model to get started. So this is the, the way we get started in praying for people. And last week, I explained to you why this happens. Like, why does this work, right? And what I said is the kingdom of God has broken into this present evil age in Jesus. And so the things of the age to come have broken into the present evil age. And this is why healing happens. This is the gospel. The gospel is the kingdom. And that's why this happens. But you don't have to do this very long. In my case, it was less than a week. You don't have to do this very long before you run into this question, why doesn't this always work? Have you run into this question? Why doesn't this happen? I've prayed for lots of people. I've prayed for a handful of people. We've prayed very uh, vigorously for people, and it doesn't happen. What happens? Why is it that not everybody I pray for gets healed? If healing is part of the gospel, why don't I see it every time? cool. Love it. Love it. Have you run into that question? You've probably prayed for someone and been like, I really want this person to get healed. Maybe you have a family member and they were they were dying and you said, God, if you ever would heal anyone, this is the one. And then they passed away. Or you prayed for someone for so long and you had everybody pray and then they weren't healed. And this question is this nagging question and it's a question that we have to deal with if we're ever going to talk about healing and how that works. And so today I want to answer this question or address this question uh, and I'm calling this message just simply Why Isn't Everyone Healed? Would you pray with me? So Lord, I do just welcome you into this space. And I know, Lord, that This question touches many of us, some of us really deeply. Some of us have wrestled with it for a long time. And so, Lord, I ask that you would come. By your spirit, Lord, that you would give us um, just a sense of your presence. And Lord, would would you just reach under the places where we have argument and fight? And would you just tend to the places in our soul that are raw? from the fact that not everyone gets healed. God, I pray that you would put your words in my mouth. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, before I dig a little bit deeper, I want to offer two quick possibilities. For those of you who remember the prayer model, we just went over it. There are two sort of quick possibilities. This doesn't solve everything, but sometimes when you see people not get healed when you pray, there are two sort of things that may be the culprit. One of these things is that maybe we didn't quite get to the root of why the person has the condition. Remember we, in step two, we're trying to decide what's the root cause of this, uh, this thing that's got, got a hold of this person. Right. And I, I tried to illustrate a couple weeks ago that sometimes a physical ailment has a cause that's not physical. Do you remember that? So if someone has a head they have constant headaches, they have constant neck aches, and and you go to pray for this person, but you discover that the reason they have headaches and neck aches is because they have a stressful marriage. You can pray for their head all day long, and very minimally, will anything change? But if this person walks through reconciliation in their marriage, what actually ends up happening is the headaches go away on their own. Do you see this? Make sense? You guys have had this happen before. You had a bad day at work. You come home. Head is pounding. But the reason that your head is pounding is because you were arguing with this person at work all day long, right? Right? So if we misdiagnose the root, then, then the odds that we're going to see some significant healing go way down. So that's one possibility. The second possibility, that I, the quick possibility I want to offer, is that maybe you didn't pray long enough. Like maybe you didn't pray long enough. And some of you are like, well, what does that have to do? What's the, the, the length of prayer have to do with anything? Like some of us, we all want to lay hands on somebody and we pray real quick and they're instantly all the way healed, Right? It's not what we all want? We just want this miraculous, like, the person stands up out of the wheelchair, and we're like, wow, or they throw their crutches away, right? Whatever the thing is. But more often than not, that's not how I see it happen. And I want to show you a passage of Scripture that will illustrate this a little bit, okay? Look with me at Mark chapter 8. These new prescription glasses are amazing. I just can't see you, but I can see this real well. Mark chapter 8, beginning of verse t- 22. I want you to see that this is, this is uh, Jesus here. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. First of all, I've been doing this stuff a while, and I still don't know how you decide when it is that you spit in somebody's eyes. I haven't figured that out yet. I'll let you know if I ever figure it out. I wouldn't even recommend it unless you know absolutely certain that Jesus has asked you to do it and, and you cleared it with the person you're going to spit on because it's assault if you don't, right? So I, I don't know how you decide that. But what's interesting about this is that Jesus ministers healing to this blind man and he gets a little better, Right? But he didn't get all the way better. And some people will go, oh, well, see, Jesus had to pray multiple times because even Jesus has a heart." No, 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 I don't think that's, that's what this is saying. What I think this is saying is healing is a process. Like sometimes healing just takes praying again and again and again. I can't tell you how many times when I see people healed, when we pray and we see people healed, most of the time, I would say my experience has been that you have to pray multiple times. Most of the time. Maybe you all have better, you know, better experience than that, but most of the time, I have to pray multiple times. And maybe the first time we pray, it gets a little better like this. And so we say, all right, let's pray again. And then, you know, it's a progressive thing. Sometimes you pray for 10, 20, 30 minutes and nothing happens. And then at 40 minutes, all of a sudden, somebody gets better. And you're like, I don't know what changed. All I'm trying to say is sometimes the problem is that we haven't prayed long enough. It's not always the fix. It's not always the problem. But sometimes it's the problem. So, so we can understand that sometimes people don't get healed because we didn't get to the root cause. And sometimes it's just because we didn't pray long enough. But there's deeper issues, right? Sometimes you've prayed over and over and over. For years you've prayed for this person. Every chance you see them, I mean, I know people, even in this church, who we have prayed for for years, so much so that they're like, I don't want you to pray for me anymore, because nothing ever changes. But you've prayed over and over and over, and you bring them in your small group, and you pray from there, and you have somebody put some oil on their head, and all the things, right, we're going to surround them, and we're going to worship while you pray, and all the things, and they still don't get better. Anybody who has ever been a part of of a long-term cancer diagnosis and praying for that, it's maddening when you pray over and over and over and you don't see anything change and then the person passes away. How do we make sense of this? How do we sort of get our head around the fact that healing doesn't happen even though we see it in the Bible? How do we get our head around that? I'm not going to have a perfect answer for you, quite honestly, but I want to take a look at the the diagram that we uh, put together for you last week. I made a diagram. This is my art. I wanted to use it two weeks in a row because I can't make this again. So those of you who were here, right, the the original timeline that that the Jews uh, near the end of the Old Testament expected was that creation and the age to come. The, The age to come, the day of the Lord is coming. But when Jesus shows up, the powers of the age to come break into the present evil age. And we live in this little pink spot called uh, the kingdom is already here but not yet fully here. Which explains, like I said last week, why people get well. You pray for people and they get well. It's because the powers of the age to come break into the present age. But sometimes they don't. Sometimes we pray and we're in this space and we're hoping that someone will get healed And they don't get healed. In this picture, a reality should become evident to us. The age to come has not yet fully come, and yet it has come at some level. In Jesus, the day of the Lord began. The end broke into the middle. And so the powers of the age to come are available, but there's still a future day to come. Jesus talks about a future day. When the the age to come will completely be here, when the kingdom of God will completely be present. And in that day, the rule and reign of God, the kingdom of God will be irresistible. That there will be nothing that can stand against it, right? Like as we were singing in in that last song. But right now, we live in this space in between the kingdom fully here and the kingdom beginning. We live in the middle. And in the interim... The kingdom of God can be overlooked. The kingdom of God can be resisted. The kingdom of God can be missed. This is what Jesus tells in this parable uh, in in Matthew 13. I'm going to read these parables. You've heard them, and I'm going to try to explain them to you. Verse 31 says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. This is the kingdom to come, right? The the kingdom has broken in in such a way that it can be resisted. I can't see you guys at all. I'm going to be one of these guys. Though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants. And this is the point. The kingdom of God has come, but it could be overlooked. It could be missed. It could be resisted. And yet one day it will come in such a way that it can't it will be the tree. Continue on, verse 33. He told them still another parable, making the same point. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Same point. He's making the same point twice. This yeast that you can overlook. You guys have seen yeast, right? Like you pour it out of the pack and you're like, is it there? There's nothing. You can overlook it. You can miss it. You can drop it. You can And yet when you put it into the dough over a period of time, it becomes irresistible because the dough grows, right? The point Jesus is trying to make is the kingdom has come now in such a way that it can be resisted. There are other wills at play in the world now. Satan has been defeated in the cross. He's not yet gone. Death has been defeated in the resurrection. It's not yet gone. Sin has been defeated, and yet every one of us this week, we're like, well, it's supposed to be gone. Do you see this? The defeat has taken place, and yet in the end, they'll be gone altogether. Oscar Coleman, so far my favorite book that I've read this year, describes it like this. When Jesus came, it was as, as if the, when the Allies showed up in D-Day, everybody said that the Allies had, had struck the victory against the Nazis, and it was just a matter of time before the war would be over. Everybody agreed that D-Day was the day. And yet it was a whole other battle, and some of the bloodiest battles before the end of the war came in World War II. And Oscar Coleman says it's like this. Jesus struck the, the victory... When he came and he gave his life and he was raised again. And yet there's a whole time until the end comes when the victory is all the way realized. There's a difference between D-Day and V-Day, right? And the point Jesus is trying to make is until the kingdom of God comes, when Jesus returns, comes fully, there's still other wills at play. There's still a battle going on and we all know this battle. The kingdom can be missed right now. The kingdom can be resisted right now. People can say no to the kingdom right now. An interesting thing, and I didn't write this down, but it's worth paying attention to, the fact that Jesus made it this gap, that he came and, and, and he began the kingdom, and yet the day of the Lord where all of the enemies of God will be dealt with is actually what makes it possible for all of us to come to Jesus. There's a gap so that we can come to Christ. Do you realize that? The very thing that frustrates us, that we pray for healing and it doesn't happen, is the very thing that allows the people all around you to come to faith in Jesus. Because the kingdom has broken in, but yet the day of the Lord has not yet come fully. All those people who are close to you, who are far from Jesus, all those people that you're praying for and you desperately want to see come to faith, it's because the gap exists that we can come to faith. It matters. When we get to the end, And the day of the Lord comes fully. Sin, death, and Satan will be gone. Revelation 21 describes it like this. You guys know this passage probably. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. So when Jesus returns, what we know is that that will be the reality. That this is God's will. His perfect will is that there would be no more sickness. That there would be no more death. That there would be no more pain. That is his will. But because we live in this in-between time, there are competing wills. Death still gets a say. Here's an interesting thought. Do you know everyone Jesus healed in his earthly ministry ended up dying? Have you ever thought about that? Like when we make a big deal about healing, and I think it is a big deal, everybody that Jesus prayed for ends up dying. Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb. He was dead and now he's alive. Do you know this one? But Lazarus died again. Everyone that Jesus prayed for healing for, everyone that Jesus healed, eventually died. See, we live in this tension. The kingdom of God is here, but it's not yet fully here. And by the spirit of God, sometimes we see people healed. We have seen people healed in this church. Some of you have been healed in this place. And at the same time, the kingdom of God is not yet fully here. And so we experience people not being healed. And all of this points to a reality that I think is critical to understand. The reality is healing's not the goal. The kingdom of God is the goal. Every healing that happens now before Jesus returns is a signpost that points to a greater kingdom that's coming. If you look all through the Gospels, all through the book of Acts, every time a healing happens, the purpose of the healing is to say, the kingdom of God has come, and it will come fully when Jesus returns. That's the whole point. Every healing is a signpost that points to a greater reality, which is the kingdom of God. There's a day coming when the king will make all things new again. So why does God heal this one, but then doesn't heal that one? Have you ever wrestled with that question? You know, why does God heal the headache, but the the cancer patient passes away? I have no idea. It's not the answer that you probably want, but I have no idea. But what I do know is everywhere that healing happens, the kingdom of God is on display. And the opportunity exists for men and women to come into the kingdom of God. And so what that means is that for all of us as kingdom people in this time and in this space is to be people who live in tension. We live in tension. We live in this this weird tension of saying the kingdom of God has come. Jesus is becoming king over all things. And that means healing can happen and and, uh, salvation can happen and deliverance can happen while at the same time we watch it not happen. We watch our family members resist Jesus. We watch people we love dearly pass away from illnesses that we thought Jesus would heal. And we end up looking a little bit crazy, don't we? You ever feel a little bit crazy? Jesus is king. He has all power. And yet you, I don't know. We're people who live in this tension that we're called to pray for the sick. We're called to share the kingdom of God. And sometimes it happens. And sometimes it doesn't. But here's the deal, we have to be people who are comfortable living in tension. Because any which way you resolve the tension, you go off the rails of faith. Any way you resolve this tension. On the one hand, you guys have maybe heard people say this, maybe you have been someone who has said this. One way that people resolve the tension is we just decide that it was God's will for us to have this disease. Have you ever said that? You know people who say that? Oh, this is God's will for me. This is what God wants for me to teach me a lesson, to teach me humility, to teach me patience. Nowhere in Scripture is sickness something that God desires for for the creation. When He created the creation, there was no sickness. When new creation comes, there is no sickness. It's not his desire for you to have sickness. Can God use a sickness you experience to shape you? Absolutely. But does God give you sickness? No. Does God give you the ailment that you have? Absolutely not. But that's a resolution, right? We're just deciding that God's not going to heal us because this is what he wants for my life. He wants me to be sick. He wants me to die of cancer. He wants me to experience this kind of suffering. In Scripture, sickness and suffering are separate things, by the way. Sickness is something that is always a consequence of sin. Sickness is something that is always a work of the enemy to be undone. So that's one way we resolve this tension, right? We just decide God's not going to heal anybody because this is what he wants for people, which takes us off the, the rails. The other way we resolve this tension is we just say that everybody gets healed, always. God always heals everyone, no matter what. It always happens, and then when it doesn't happen, we've decided that it always happens, and so we make up nonsense to hold on to our belief that it always happens. Have you ever heard this phrase? Some of you maybe, if you've uttered this phrase, you can just sit quietly. (laughs) I don't know. Have you ever said, oh, you're healed? Just wait for the manifestation of your healing. That got a little close, didn't it? Some of you are like, wait a minute, (laughs) that's my theology. Do you recognize the mind game that you have to play to believe that? I rolled in here in a wheelchair, you prayed for me, you said you're healed, you just have to wait for the manifestation, but I'm still rolling back out in the wheelchair. Oh, don't worry, you're healed, you just have to wait for the manifestation. You know, that's just sort of like a, I'm trying to protect a theology that says something that isn't real. Do you recognize this? We do this, don't don't we? We've got to play this game because God always heals everybody. It's the same place from which we get this this crazy idea that goes, oh, well, God always heals. The reason you weren't healed is because you don't have enough faith. Insult to injury. Not only were you not healed, you also don't have enough faith because it can't possibly be me that doesn't have enough, right? It's always, I have plenty. It's all your fault. If God has to always heal at every moment, then we have to come up with some way to protect this theology, which is just bad theology, quite honestly. What is true is that there will come a day when everybody will be healed, when the kingdom of God will come fully and healing will happen. But today, we live in the in-between times. We live in the space Where death still happens, where sickness still happens, where pain still happens, and the tension that all of us who follow Jesus are called to live into is this tension of we believe that God can heal today and we will pray for you. And if you're not healed today, God still loves you. And if you are healed today, we'll celebrate. But it's a tension that we're called to live in. That's why, why we're so big on emotional health. Why it's so important to not like infuse our own anxiety into the process of praying for people. Because this is the tension we live in. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.